What's up, y'all? This is Lee with Pop Evil, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks! What's up, everybody? This is Sully Erna, and you are tuned into Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 387 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 387, we have three special guests joining us. We have Elias from the band Nonpoint coming to talk about a show they're going to be doing in Pittsburgh very soon. We have joining us Mark from the band Nothing More, who are just in town with Breaking Benjamin and Five Finger Death Punch. And then we have uh, a man you may remember as the singer of the Sick Puppies. His name's Shim. He's got a new solo album I think is fantastic. So we're going to talk to him in just a little bit. We're going to turn our attention first to that interview with Elias of Nonpoint. Uh, they've got a terrific new record out called 10 or X, uh, depending on whether you realize it's a Roman numeral or not. Uh, they're going to be doing a show at the Craft Beer House in Pittsburgh on the 4th of September. Uh, which is coming up in just a few days. So we had a chance to talk to Elias about the band, about the new record, uh, about really the longevity of the band. They've been around for quite a while, and anybody who's ever been to a non-point show will tell you these guys are just killer live. So I'm going to get a chance to talk to them about the energy that they put into their show. So I'm going to play you a little new music from Nonpoint, and we'll get into that interview with Elias. Show up dressed up, amped up in a black car 
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have from the band Nonpoint, we have Elias Soriano on the line. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. This has to be a really exciting time for you. You guys are, um, what, a week or so away from kicking off a tour, and you've got a new album coming out. It's got to be a really exciting time to be in a band when you're you know, kind of getting ready to unleash all that on the world. Um, can you talk a little bit about the new album? Are, are you calling it 10 or is it X? Uh, it's Roman numeral 10, so okay. it's both. All right. Either way, I win. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that it's a it's a it's definitely been a talking point, so I I, I don't mind the confusion. No, that's all right. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know what went into the album, you know how the songwriting's progressed and et cetera? Uh, yeah, uh, you know a lot went into it. A lot of effort from the guys. Um, it's some time off. Uh, some uh, reflection from the last record. Uh, a little bit of um, of of new energy from uh, a new producer mm-hmm. uh, you know some some song subject matter that that is uh you know that that leads from the poison red into uh into you know the next chapter of our lives um you know doing it as long as we've done it and 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 being on record number ten so um you know uh there there was quite a bit uh, of of a process in 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 uh, building this record and uh, uh, writing for this record, uh, it, it was it was definitely a, a mon- mon- monumental moment for us. Yeah, and I, I noticed. Can you talk a little bit about the, your choice of production? Because I noticed one of the things I did when I, I you know anytime I get ready for a, an interview is just I'll go back and listen to some of the older albums and then you know some of the singles that you guys have already dropped from the album like uh, Chaos and Earthquakes, etc. Uh, quite a, a, I think a, a crisper sound. Was that a direction you guys sought out, or can you talk a little bit about that in particular? Uh, we, you know, we really put that in the hands of our uh, of our illustrious producer Fred mm-hmm. Archibald. He uh, he came into the process uh, a bit last minute, but you know, really took the reins, saw the vision of the record. Really wanted to make it sonically uh, a, a very forward record for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it polish up uh, our sound a bit, um, round out the edges, and 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 really give us some some uh, some good foundation to you know uh, move into that next chapter of our career and of our sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then you know he recommended that we use Howie uh, to master the record, and right. you know his, his resume speaks for itself. Sure. Um, so you know, as a whole, it was it was. Uh, you know, it was the the goal was just to get uh, a record that that really uh, hit people in the chest uh, in more ways than one. Sure. Now, as a band, now this is obviously record number ten. Um, you guys are seasoned veterans at, at this recording process. From a producer, what what are you looking for? I mean, do you got? I mean, some bands they need. You know that guy who's going to keep everybody on schedule. Some people just need someone to sit in the control room and you know give a thumbs up, thumb down. I mean, do you guys do you look for a real hands-on producer or somebody who's just there to you know more or less hit record? Well, I I, I don't think any band really wants somebody just in there to hit record. Right. If 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 that's the case, then they they should you know they should do just it. get a really competent engineer and right. and save the money. Uh, if 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 you bring a producer in, you want you know. Uh, a, a little bit of all of that, you know. You want you want a, another ear for opinion. You want, right. uh, you know, maybe some suggestions for you know uh, uh, finding magic in, in in a song that that you may not have seen there. 
you know, pointing out greatness uh, when 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 it could it could pass you in the blur of writing, mm-hmm. you know, eighteen twenty songs for a record uh, before you you narrow it down sometimes. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for for us at this stage, it's it's really to do all those things, keep us on schedule, keep uh, emotions, you know, at a at an even keel. Uh, keep our, our our ideas focused and right. and on task, and, and then also to having you know a professional there to to lean on uh, when we're looking for uh, a little bit of of inspiration that you know maybe they achieved by working with some of the great records that they worked on in the past, right. uh, you know, and saw the same hurdle that we may be trying to get over. Right. Uh, and say, hey, you know, one of your favorite bands that you mentioned, this is what they tried if you want to try right. that. Yeah, because you, you read about a producer. Sometimes, you know, you read about the guys who, you know, break everybody down emotionally and pretty much sending everybody crying and realizing they suck as players. And then there's, you know, producers that are more, uh, you know, cohesive guys. That's no, really Fred, cool. Yeah, Fred was the, the opposite of that. He was, he was uh, you know, he was very, uh, you know, he hated people to self-deprecate. He wanted you know, people to to be positive in the right. process, not beat themselves up if they make a mistake. You know, uh, knowing that you know mistakes are going to be made. You you know, you just you you it, they're not mistakes. It's just you getting into the groove and you know, uh, t- getting a good take. And sometimes right. you know you can just maybe get a better one. Uh, and he's there to push you. So, uh, but as as a, as an overall vibe, the the vibe was it, it couldn't have been a a more positive. Uh, creative and motivating time for us in the in the studio. Let me ask you this: I noticed in the new album, probably not coincidentally, there are ten new songs. Um, and in you know, kind of the CD post post CD era, it seems many bands are shoving sixteen, eighteen songs on. And you know, I think over the years, some fans have come to realize that maybe more isn't more. You know, sometimes more is less because you don't maybe get the best songs. Um, did you guys intentionally just stick with ten, or was this a consideration maybe for vinyl, or, or what? What kind of made you stop at ten? And thank you from a listener standpoint, because sometimes you know, less is more. Yeah, well, for I mean, for us, honestly, we, me personally, any 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 band that that I adore, um, you know, you know, you can only take so much in one sitting, mm-hmm. so. You know, I I love uh, you know Circus Survive. I love uh, the Deftones, but you know when I'm watching them live after song number 13, 14, 15, it's like right. yeah, I get it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You're, you 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 especially in this day and age, you 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 like variety, and yeah. you know unless it's a you know an act like you know Prince or Billy Joel or somebody who has a gigantic catalog. Uh, of of you know uh, songs that I, I I don't know if I'm gonna see next year because I don't know how much longer they're gonna be around. Yeah. That's a totally different story. You want to get out there and and see that and you know have those last couple of records have a little bit of extra. But you know for a band like us, you know uh, doing what we do in the genre that we're in, we really feel like we want to leave people wanting another record from us. Right. And we have enough back catalog to pack a show together and then on top of that put you know four or five new songs in there right now your live show i think is really what you know 
anytime we announce that non-point is coming anywhere near our listening audience, people go nuts. They just love it. Um, can you talk about, I mean, obviously you guys have got a very energetic show, but um, what kind of maybe sets you guys apart from some of the other bands out there? It just you know, seems like people who've seen this band love this band. Um, I think I think it's the the connection with our audiences once they realize why we're there mm-hmm. um, and 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 the message that we're trying to kind of blanket over all of our all of our music, which is you know uh, trying to empower people and trying to help people through tough times. You know, music is therapeutic in any direction you. you you uh you play it so um you know for us once people realize that we're there to not only have a great time but to leave people uh you know with with an impression that they you know they take to the very next time that they see us whether it be three months or if they decide to drive two weeks later because they love the show so much so you know we know that that's that's what our goal is uh we pride ourselves on on you know the energy level and uh you know the anthemic uh uh structures of of our music um because we want our fans and our fan base and our live shows to be engaging um and and uh you know that's our goal every time yeah and i friend from all reports of like i said anytime you know people speak of this band live i think you're maybe one of the best kept secrets in live music because i mean people just seem to go nuts you know, as soon as we announce one, you know, to week after the show, we hear about how great Nonpoint is live. So it's well, tell the secret. I mean, it doesn't have to be kept. Yeah, tell everybody <laughs> you want. That um, can I? We talked just a little bit. I mean, you guys underwent some you know different lineup changes, etc. And now, and the lineup has really solidified itself over the last three plus years. Can you talk a little bit about how going into the studio this time, you know, with some miles under your belt with BC and, and et cetera, how, you know, that has evolved. Um, BC is a, a, a talented, uh, guitar player and a talented songwriter. Um, he is, uh, you know, obviously been a, a, a person on everyone's radar. I think his, his vigor on stage, um, his style, uh, behind his uh, guitar is is something that we've we've we really haven't had um you know as as an overall package since mm-hmm. Andy was in the band right. um, you know visually uh uh focus wise when it comes to you know songwriting and and actually tracking and and wanting to uh pick apart the songs uh so it's it's um it's definitely a new um, uh, a, a new feeling, but it it's it feels right again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, BC really, uh, uh, you know, found his place in this band, and and you know, between his what he does in, in the artwork for us, what he does in the uh, the songwriting uh, side of it, it's it's all uh, it, it all feels good. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's always good, you know, when you get that second record under your belt with with a band member. I think sometimes, you know, when someone's so new, it's still, you know, maybe they're finding their space inside the band. But you know, fast forward a couple of years, and you know, it yeah. sounds well, sounds really great. 
I mean, chemistry is everything, especially when it comes to to, to bands, mm-hmm. and you know, not this this life isn't for everyone. No, they, they think it is, and and you know, sometimes being out on the road, being away from family, uh, the pressures of of you know significant others, it all it all it, uh, they're all factors to to whether or not you really feel wholeheartedly uh, a part of something that is so you know you know dare i say fly by night yeah you're absolutely right yeah i mean and it's it's a tremendous amount of work and, and you know i think very few people realize you know just because a band is on tour that they're not necessarily limousines and champagne it's you know it's a lot of vans and motels and you know phone calls home to catch your kids before they go to bed and all kinds of stuff i mean it's it's a yeah, tough I, life i don't know how people did it before you know facetime it was it's, yeah it's, it's been a uh, or cell phones for that matter. Uh, families definitely suffered. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 a it's a tough life, and it's certainly not for everybody. And it's not something that everyone can do that long. I think it's it's kind of a young man's game. Sometimes you think, but I mean, yeah, you know, for, you guys for are, the most part. But if you have family that understands and yeah, you know, uh, is is seasoned to it. You know, my 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 wife. We're we're well over a decade. My daughter's seven, so she grew up in it. So it's yeah. it's. You know, it's all part of the life. That's we, exa- we get the, uh, you know, you take the good with the bad. Yeah, and that, that's, that's that's wonderful when you've got a support system at home. I think that makes a big difference. Well, Elias, I want to thank you uh, so much for your time again. 10 comes out, I believe it's August 24th, if I'm not yes. mistaken. And you yep. guys will be in town in Pittsburgh on the 4th of September. So I, I'm sure it'll be a packed house that night. And uh, hope everybody will get out to the show, man. Hey, me too. I, I, I'm, we're definitely going to put on a, a, a show to remember. We're switching up everything and, and playing a lot of new music. So, awesome. you know, people should be excited about that. Awesome. Well, have a safe trip and enjoy the first part of the tour. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you. All right. A big thank you to Elias of Nonpoint uh, for coming on the show, talking to us. They're going to be in town at the Craft House Stage and Grill. That's uh, crafthousepgh.com for the information. They're coming on September 4th. Tickets are only 20 bucks, so uh, I think you'd be uh, remiss not to get those tickets. I think anytime we put out an announcement that Nonpoint is coming anywhere near Pittsburgh, people go crazy for it. Uh, I think they're one of the best-kept secrets in, in kind of hard rock. So if you get a chance, you got nothing else going on next week, uh, Tuesday night, the 4th, Labor Day weekend will be over. Get out to the Craft House Stage and Grill on uh, Curry Road in Pittsburgh for what will be an awesome night of rock and roll. We're going to turn our attention now to... Uh, uh, Shim Moore, who was the vocalist of the band out of Australia, The Sick Puppies. Uh, they've had some pretty good success, uh, some charting albums in the United States uh, in the uh, earlier, you know, about seven, eight years back. Uh, they were doing quite well. Shim left the group, um, and this is now his first solo album he's putting out now. So we're going to play you a little bit of a track called Hallelujah which uh, I think gives you a little bit of a window into what the new music sounds like, and then we're going to get into that interview with Shim Moore. There's a time to live and a time to die Most of us don't think twice My little boy should have checked your ego Need, though. It's a long way down 
Taking the life I designed I can't rewind Going out of my mind But if you feel me sing hallelujah And if you feel me sing hallelujah If you feel me sing hallelujah Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have former vocalist of Sick Puppies. We have Shim on the line. How you doing, man? Good, mate. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, you guys, you, actually, you are about uh, just a couple weeks away here from releasing uh, your debut solo album. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what went into the album? I know it's got a whole bunch of different flavors, you know, vocally. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, pretty much everything went into the record, man. Like, there was... By the time I was done with it, there was nothing left to give. I gave everything I had. I didn't uh, shy away from anything lyrical or melodic. Uh, I didn't try to fit it into a box. You're right, it is a, it is a more diverse record, but um, I just made a point of saying, look, the best songs are going to make it on the record. It's not going to be... It's not just going to follow one particular sound for ten songs and then have one ballad like a lot of records do. Right. I was like, I'm just going to put the best, the best songs, the best songs went out, and then hopefully that will give it the best chance of success because people love songs. Yeah, yeah. I know from listening to the first sing- single, Hallelujah. Uh, you know, you have kind of perception where this is going to go, and then when I drop, you know, kind of the needle on the first track, I was like, crap. Yeah, this is totally different than what I expected. Um, you know, and then it was like, I, I really love the kind of the ebb and the flow between the 11 songs. You know, I don't know that there's two songs I would say this one's kind of like that one. You know, there's elements of, you know, metal and pop and, you know, dare I say hip hop and all kind of different flavors in there. You know, and that's got to yeah, be liberating. That was, it was, it was liberating in a way. It, but I'll tell you the truth, man, it's only liberating if people like it. Yeah. It, you know, if you try all this stuff and people go, wow, that sucks. It's not very liberating, man. Um, so luckily, the feedback that I've gotten from the record has been pretty much 100% positive. And yes, a lot of people have said, yeah, this isn't quite what I was expecting. But the truth is, man, I've been around. I've been going to a lot of radio stations, playing the gigs, talking to fans, mm-hmm. talking to people, people that love music. Right. And I thought I was the only one that thought that rock music is starting to get a little stale. Yeah. And 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 people like they don't talk about it until you really bring it up and you say, look, what is your opinion on the records that are coming out at the moment? So over the last you know five years or whatever, and people are really looking for something fresh. They're looking for something that that just doesn't sound the same all the time. Right. And so that really gave me the sort of logical basis for saying, all right, well, there's a marketplace for this. People want to hear something a little different. Luckily. 
people already know my voice, so I've got you know I've, mm -hmm. I've got a little bit of a leg up. But sure. uh, but for the most part, it just seemed smarter to do something that was fresh. Yeah, and I think you know in in a way what you're talking about, I know you know from just the sheer volume of of albums we get you know, coming across the desk, it's very difficult sometimes to get through, you know, it seems like a lot of artists feel the need to put 15 songs on every album, and 13 of them sound so similar that you do sort of lose interest as you go, and that's one of the things, you know, as I mentioned about the ebb and the flow of your album, is that every song is like, you know, sort of a different chapter, you know, it's a different influence, a different, you know, feel to it, and that... Uh, I think it, it doesn't feel like labor to get from one end to the other, as it does with some albums. That's, that's great. I, I appreciate that very much, because I did actually work very hard to try to create that right. And that's yeah. why I only put 11 songs on the record. Originally, I was only going to put 10, mm -hmm. because I thought, you know, if you, can't, if you can't get it done in 10 songs, you've got bigger problems. Right. <laughs> you know? Now, um, do you, as far as your time with the Sick Puppies, I know you, you left that band, uh, how long has it been, four years ago, something like that. Um, does yeah, that, does that help, in, especially in the U.S. market, you know, which is kind of our wheelhouse, um, is the name recognition there? Do you feel that, you know, kind of people were, were sort of looking for something from you, or is it sort of like starting over? It's a little bit of both. Um, when I tell people, hey, my name's Jim, uh, I've got a new record coming out, they go, oh, okay. And I say, I used to be in a band called Sick Puppies, and they go, oh, okay, uh, yeah, we remember you. So I've noticed that that's, it's a challenge in terms of, you know, my hardcore fans know my name, but mm -hmm. the majority of people only are like, oh, I remember that song by that band, Sick Puppies. Right. You know, we had a bunch of songs, and, and we had the band name. So now that the band has moved on with a new guy and they're doing mm -hmm. their own thing, I it, there is a, definitely a challenge to sort of rebooting what I'm doing. But at sure. the same time, it is a noticeable... There is an element of freedom and there's an element of, um, you know... I've got a little more space now because yeah. if I was to have made a Sick Puppies record, it really probably couldn't have sounded quite like this it wouldn't right. have, I wouldn't have had as much room to move but now because I can say hey I'm the guy that used to be in Sick Puppies but this really is a new thing this is a fresh start yeah. and you're, if you like Sick Puppies you're going to like this record that's guaranteed Yeah. but it's going to be more there's a lot more to offer now sure yeah now did you co-write I know in the Sick Puppies you know you guys kind of were you know at least in the in the publishing and have it look you know appeared to be somewhat of a democracy but I mean on this album you know did you use co-writers or how, how did you approach the material uh, on the puppies records we co-wrote a lot of the songs like a lot of the, the a lot of the songs were co-written with other writers mm -hmm. uh, you know you go to Nashville and you write with these guys and then rock mafia that produced the records you wrote a lot of songs with them it really taught me a lot about songwriting it's taught me so much about structure and all that stuff so when it came time to make this record, I still went and wrote with a few of the people that we co-wrote with with the puppies. Right. Um, but a lot of the songs I, I actually wrote and produced myself because now after all that experience in the band, I was able to do it right. because I had learned so much by doing it with the band. Uh, so there's a few songs that are co-written, a few songs that are produced by other people, but more than half the record is self-produced and written just by just I just wrote it myself yeah and that's certainly got to be a leg up than you know if you were a, a you know a, a brand new artist you know coming into this totally green you've got you know a wealth of, of experience you can't buy in starting your solo career you know you know 
some of the ins and outs of the music industry. You've you've lived it and breathed it for this amount of time. Um, can you talk as far as guitar playing? I mean, you you do all the guitar playing on this album, or do you, do you have another guitarist in the band at this point? I have another guitarist in the band. He's not. Um, I, I found him after the record was finished. Okay. I played most of the guitars. Uh, there's a couple of songs where actually Tyler Bryant from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown did mm-hmm. a solo yeah. on our time, and a couple of guitar solos were played by another guitar player that I wrote the songs with. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I pretty much took care of. I, I, I took care of like 80 percent of all the guitars on the record. Now, when you do the songs live, I mean, does it? I mean, being the singer and the guitar player has always been a mystery. That you know, I, I, I'm always envious of people who can sing and play the guitar at the same time. That's it's like patting your stomach and your head at the same time. Um, do you have right. to? You, do you rely a little bit more on a guitarist live, or are you still able to kind of? You know, I know Tyler, for example, is an amazing guitar player. He kind of he's one of those guys yeah. that can naturally do it both so well. Um, or how do you kind of break up the guitar work live? Uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting challenge actually because I've never done it before. I've always mm. been the primary guitar. Pl- I was only mm. ever in Sick Puppies. Right. I, I started playing guitar. I started writing songs, and then I started Sick Puppies, and then right. that was and then that was it. Bingo. So uh, one of the things that I needed to work out with the guy who plays guitar with me now, his name is Pal. Uh, he's a, a Thai guitar player, and uh, he's he's very good. And so I needed to figure out okay which parts do you take and which parts do I take and why do we take those parts and how do we transition from the verse to the chorus into the solo because you're going to do the solo because I can't be bothered learning like I I piece my solos together Mm -hmm. and I rehearse them and then I don't I I don't really consider I'm not really a great guitar player Mm -hmm. I definitely have to sort of like Pro Tools my solos into shape sometimes to right. get them to the point where they sound like they were all played in one take. Right. So when I play them live, I, I don't really, I'd rather give them to someone else and I'll just play the rhythm and don't worry about it. So that was, it, it was kind of, it took about a month or two to really find what the parts were, who was going to do what, and, and also why. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what, why do you go there and I go here? Um, because, you know, and I had to change what I was doing. Now that I knew what he was, it was it was kind of it was actually a really uh, it was a, it was an evolution as a guitar player to figure out where the space needed to be. Yeah, I mean that that's a great point. When you're used to being the only guitarist, and now you add a second layer, it's it's very easy to create muddiness, you know, for maybe lack yeah. of a better term. You know, if you don't get out of his way and he get out of your way, um, yeah. stylistically is you know would you consider him very similar to your playing, or did you kind of just go for a there was something about it that just spoke to you when you saw him play, or how did you? you know, I, how does, how does I, one... I went with I went with him because he was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't want someone that could play the way that I play because I knew I was going to be doing that already. Right. Um, the main thing that I was looking for was a swagger to the solos. Like he has a backbeat way of playing, uh, but it's an interesting thing. Like because like when you play, you know, guitar over bass and then bass over drums, and you put together this three piece thing. It gives you, like for me as a guitar player, it gives me a lot of wiggle room to play however I want to play. When you have a second guitar player, you really got to lock in together. And his way, my way of playing is very on top of the beat. His way of playing is much more behind the beat. Mm-hmm. And if, if only one of us was playing, you wouldn't notice. But when the two of us are playing together, we really have to focus on, okay, in this section... I, I picked him because he swaggers and he's right. got this behind the beat way of soloing. But then when we do the rhythm stuff together, I'm like, okay, when we do this, 
you got to be more on top of the beat. Then yeah. when you go to that that section, I got to be more behind the beat because it actually sounds better the way that you're doing it. Yeah. And you kind of just got to negotiate all those things as you go. Yeah, and that's got, it's got to be kind of humbling, you know. I mean, you've made you know a, a, a living thus far, as you mentioned, with the sick puppies as being kind of the chief cook and bottle wash. Uh, you know, to to kind of open up and let somebody else into that space. That's that's really kind of cool. Um, now, you guys, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, you made your live debut at Rock on the Range. Yeah. Was yeah. that? I mean, that uh, that's kind of a leap of faith. That's not a you know a tiny little club in the middle of you know. Iowa, I mean, you're, you're kind of the big time right away. What was that experience like? It was pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah, it was pretty nerve-wracking. I mean, I, I usually what happens if I've taken a break, I mean, I've never taken a break this long before, but mm-hmm. if I've taken a break from touring to make a record or whatever, and then you come back, you get butterflies, you get nervous. Mm-hmm. This time, I felt so sleepy. I, it was the first and only time it's ever happened where I just couldn't muster up the energy. I was like, my body was just like, don't go out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get on the stage because I was so nervous that, that yeah, my body kind of shut down and I had right. to smack myself in the face and drink some Red Bull and get my ass in gear. So, uh, and the truth is, I don't really, like none of the band really remembers the show. We all right. were just so freaking out and like the adrenaline was so crazy. Right. We only had a 30 minute set and um, but we got it out of the way, and I think it was really it is that thing where like you know to make a solo record to start your own record label to 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 do all of this myself mm-hmm. it's a huge leap of faith in it, it kind of just goes with the 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 vibe of the entire project, right you know like just go big or go home, you know, and right. it really is that like this you never know, man, this may not work, maybe I put the record out and it doesn't do anything and and nothing happens, and then I'm like and I'll just go bankrupt. Right. But at least it's at least we went big. You know, it's a yeah. big sounding album. The band is dope. The band mm-hmm. is amazing. And we're playing big festivals at the moment and big shows and now we're right. just working on getting the big support stuff, building it into something big. Yeah, and that that's certainly I mean, I think so many times, you know, there there are artists who put out what sound like incredible albums and it's a matter of it not getting the exposure it needs to become big, you know. So mm-hmm. if, if stepping out, you know, taking some of these leaps of faith, as you mentioned it, maybe the, maybe the way the new model of the music industry works. Because I mean, you know, I'm sure you you know a, a million people in your career have walked up and said, "Hey, listen to my band," and they hand you a CD that sounds pretty good, but you know, they have no nothing behind them to help get their name out. You know, so if you know taking that walk to the ledge of you know, a rock on the range and some of these bigger festivals, you know, gives it that exposure, then, um, you know. Mm. Yeah, you got to just dive in head first, man. I mean, my, my godfather has a, a good catchphrase, is bite off more than you can chew and chew like crazy. Yeah, exactly. Now, when you do a, a performance like the rock on the range, do you go back and, and watch those? Do you ever watch, you know, the, the, I'm sure trillions of YouTube clips that show up of your performances to, to kind of critique yourself, or you just kind of remember it the way you remember it, take some mental notes of what you maybe want to do different next time, and, you know, just do it better next time or do it different next time? Or do you go back and critique? I, uh, I go back and critique, and I go back and critique to a point. Uh, and now, at this stage of what we're doing, I'm mm. critiquing everything because we're mm. still building it. I mean, we've, we've sure. only done a handful of shows. They've been the big shows. 
but mm-hmm. we record the rehearsals and then record and you know we I, I have someone film the shows as much as I can mm-hmm. and then you look back at iPhone stuff of anyone that posts and you just go through and then the band usually deep I mean the band's great like they're they're high guns it's a solo project it is not a band as as the type of thing that I used to be doing right. but they're such great players and great guys that they sit down with me afterwards and they're like hey man when we did that thing that didn't really work and this thing was kind of we tried this on the fly and that worked really well we break it all down but then what you really want to do is you want to be able to get it to a point where you say okay now we're happy with it now it, it, right. it is working and it is what it's supposed to be and then you put it down and you just keep doing it that way and you don't over critique and you don't you know get too down on yourself right. so you want to be you want to be critical to a point but you don't want to take the fun out of it yeah yeah and I often wonder that you know with a band that's you know in this case where you're trying to kind of break again as a solo artist sometimes you know the information age makes it so easy to get a million reviews and, and and YouTube videos that crop up and stuff that sometimes it can almost you know paralysis analysis kind of thing where you yeah. know you can spend too much time you know I'll look at the my face look dumb on this little face I made here or this little move I did look corny or whatever you could almost paralyze yourself and get up there and be like oh god you know I want to you know don't want to yeah, do I anything think, wrong you know I think the main thing is really listening to the crowd listening to mm-hmm. the fans and you know you've got one great piece of advice uh, you know and, and you've got you to push it you really do need to push the envelope as much as you can one of the things that drives me crazy when I go and see live bands is when there's no danger and there's no when it's kind of vanilla and it's kind of like I've seen this before I know those moves and I think I've been to too but you've got to have a few things where you push the envelope and do something that no one else does and, and there was this point where I did a show in Omaha last week and I was getting them to sing, you know, getting them to sing along with the song, and we stopped the song because they weren't doing it very well. Right. And I pulled them out, and I said, guys, come on, like, we can do better than this. And I said, I, I'm, I'm used to hearing a crazy fucking crowd, and I hear a bunch of little pussies right now. Right. And, and I it just came out. Like, I, I was just being honest, and it's right. how I talk. And ironically, they stepped up, and they were like, they fucking, they were twice as loud after I pulled that shit. Right. However... I got feedback from a couple of women uh, after the fact, and they were like, yeah, that was kind of offensive. I actually really don't need to be patronized when I just bought a ticket to your show. And I went, cool, didn't think it'd come across like that. I'll make sure I don't do that again. Let's find another way to do it. And so you kind of, you want to listen to the fans and do whatever works for, uh, whatever whatever works for the fans at, at all times, whatever gets everyone off, and and make sure that that's where you're focusing your critique because if you could take how you move and how you look and this and that no one else really cares about that shit the only thing that matters is how, how good was the audience feeling did you hit that mark mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's a great point you're bringing you know you've got to kind of learn and, and you know you've got to know you know you're the person there getting the feedback directly and no film no video no iPhone is going to capture that energy Particularly, you know, and then you know, take the advice yeah. of you know people who are honest with you and say, hey, that was a, maybe not a good thing to say, or hey, that was really cool how you did that. Um, yeah, you know, because you know some fans fans are going to be brutally honest, and some of them are just going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, but you yeah, know, it's fantastic. You've got a great record that's out September fourteenth. Am I correct? Is the street date? That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. awesome. Well, Shim, I want to thank you so much. Uh, do you have touring plans kind of finalized yet, or is it still kind of a work in process? Not finalized. It's still a work in process. Hopefully, once the album comes out, we'll be securing all the stuff. We've just been cherry picking the road shows. 
Right. Well, hopefully we get you out here to, you know, kind of the, the Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia area, and we'll, we'll be glad to see you come into town and do a great show, man. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you, man, and thank you for helping get the word out. I appreciate any all the help that, that you are giving to just let people know the record's coming out and that the guy from Chicken Peace is back. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, mate. All right, a big thank you to Shim. His album comes out September 14th. You can find more information on him. Go to his website, which is shimmusic.com. That's S-H-I-M. You can check out uh, his work with the Sick Puppies uh, in the past. He was on uh, many of the band's first several albums. Uh, But I really, I think the new album uh, really does kind of exceed in some ways those albums. Uh, because it's got so many different things going on, and it, uh, it's quite impressive. So uh, check that out again, shimmusic.com, and hopefully we'll get him in western Pennsylvania before too long. We're going to turn our attention now to an interview uh, that we did just a little bit ago when uh, Breaking Benjamin and Five Finger Death Punch were in town. We had a chance to sit down with Mark of Nothing More. Nothing More have been on the show before. A uh, great uh, young band with uh, fantastic music. So we're going to give you a taste of Go to War, uh, one of the singles from their latest album. We're going to get into that interview with Mark. I don't know what you had in mind, but here we stand on opposing sides. Let's go to war. Let's go to war!
Dave with Iron City Rocks, and I'm here with Mark Volalunga of Nothing More, the guitarist of Nothing More. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Nice weather out there. You can't complain, right? Yeah, yeah. We've had some crappy weather the past few shows. Um, I even had to cancel one of them, so this is nice. I hope so. It looks a little <laughs> cloudy, but... <laughs> it rains in the forecast, but I think it'll hold off in the evening time, so I think it'll be all right. Good deal. Um, so last year you guys released an album, The Stories We Tell Ourselves, and it's a cool arena rock vibe going on there. Like the groove has a lot of bombastic trickery on the ear that sends your mind on a mission with deep lyrical content. So what was the concept of the album? Was Did it follow a concept as a whole? Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of the times I feel like with this the stories we tell ourselves and the self-titled record you know we hadn't planned really for either of them to be concept albums we just kind of wrote and there was a bunch of stuff and then once we took a step back and and got a break from all of it we could reapproach and see oh there's a lot of common themes here and so really we just played to our strengths and just kind of got all that together and kind of you know, made some segues as far as the instrumentals that you hear on the album, and that kind of all tie into a yeah a common theme. Um, so with this one, I feel like this one's a lot more um, internal and uh, kind of like asking yourself a lot of questions. It's kind of like a lot of us had to go you know do do a lot of uh, therapy and, and therapeutic things after the previous tour um, and kind of rebuilding, coming home. A lot of our family lives were in turmoil and whatnot. So there was, there was a lot of soul-searching that had to be done. I think from a lot of that, as you, you may have found out from listening to our music, it's very personal. A lot of the stories are first-hand accounts, and they're very true. We, we write about what we go through. Um, and, yeah, that, that happened to be a lot of what we were going through. So hopefully, you know, uh, the goal, even since our first record, which title was Shelter, um, we, we hope that others can relate, um, connect, and find peace um, in a lot of our music. That's cool. I like that. And this, this album was written on the road for the most part, correct? Uh, yes, yes. A lot, a lot of it was. It started that way um, kind of in, you know, all individually in 2015. And then 2016, we did kind of get to go to the jam room. One big thing that was very different was Johnny had played drums uh, on on every single record before. You know, Paul, Paul, our previous drummer, played a few tracks. Um, but Ben actually came in, and we were so comfortable and committed to him that he played on every single song. Um, it was kind of to the point to where Johnny completely trusted him. And that honestly freed Johnny up to just be a singer. And, and think objectively about that a lot more. Um, and I think that was a big strength. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, sorry, so to go back to the question, um, we, we did get to go into the jam room first part of 2016, and then we actually, yeah, did a lot of the recording, actually kind of right where we're sitting right now. There, there was a lot of guitar and bass, fortunately with technology we can capture all the dry lines and then reamp them later and do all of that so that, that's really cool um, and uh, we, we were just trying to be productive with our time because <laughs> so we have to tour too right cool 
Yeah, for those of you that don't know, just to reiterate what Mark talked about, um, Johnny Hawkins, the lead singer, was originally the drummer in the band and then uh, decided to change the singer um, and be the front man in the band. So that's a pretty cool change as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty neat and uh, a lot of respect for him to take on that role. <laughs> yeah. That's and, a uh, good uh, Don Henley slash your Phil Collins move, you know? Right, right. So I listened to the album and I think it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, Ripping Me Apart has like a Tool-like bass line in there. Cool. I hear like a lot of Tool influence. Very hardcore breakdowns. Don't Stop. I like the part that's kind of like Indian style. It sounds like an Indian style guitar riff in between the verses. And that also has hardcore breakdowns. Um, react slash respond is an odd time signature kind of instrumental um, with the use of dialogue and there's a lot of use of dialogue on this record can you talk about yeah that and the importance yeah you know yeah. alan watts is a, a great eastern philosopher that a lot of us have vibed with a lot and he's actually on uh, the self-titled record too there are several tracks to where we paired uh, some audio lectures of his um into into our music um, unfortunately, he passed, um, I think, in the 70s, and but but a lot of his legacy still lives on through his family, and his recordings are amazing stuff to hear and, and listen to. We just thought he was a great mouthpiece for a lot of the Eastern philosophy, just kind of how he put things um, for our Western ears uh, to hear it, and a lot, a lot of things that we vibe with and thought were very cool and neat. Um, and similar to some of our own concepts. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. And then uh, you got the single Just Say When that is number 18 on the Billboard Rock Charts, streamed 5 million times, and the video for that song was viewed a million times. So what are those accomplishments? What does that mean for you to be in a band that has a top 20 song right now, 5 million streams, 1 million views? Yeah, oh, completely honored, stoked. It's, it's also really cool that a song like that, um, <clears throat> I think, is, is uh, getting more popularity um, because it is so minimalistic for us. It is, that song especially is about the, the vocal, the lyrics, and, and the melody. Um, and it's, it's just, that's the core of the song. It's really neat that we can showcase that strength of ours too. Something uh, I feel like a lot of bands rock bands and, or metal bands in particular don't get to do very often which we can you know flex if and, and get really heavy you know on, on some other tracks which is yeah part of our roots too um, we've always wanted to kind of have a, a really big range in between the two so yeah we're all really stoked um, that the song is doing well um, and, and we hope uh, other people that might not regularly be into our music might be exposed to it through this simplistic song yeah because i mean you guys are pretty broad writers i mean you write heavy stuff more poppy stuff uh, arena rock stuff there's like a little bit of dubstep feeling in there so there's there's a broad um sound to your music and i think that you guys can pull fans from a lot of different genres because of that yeah, that's that's definitely the goal, and and we we don't want to limit ourselves to, you know, a label, um, uh, you know, a, a genre really. It's let's follow the rabbit trail. If the song needs to go there, let's go there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think a lot of bands get scared that it's like, oh, but that's not our sound. Right. You don't, you don't need to worry about it. The core of that, you're still going to be there. It's still your riffs, you know, like just maybe with a little different tone or whatever. So I, I like that exploration, honestly. Half of the battle is um, playing music that you like to listen to and like to write. Yeah, very true. Um, for me, the best song on the record is the album Closer, Fade In, Fade Out. It has very thick grooves, uh, clean guitar, badass bass lines. I like the lyrical content. To me, it means like pushing through life and overcoming obstacles. Uh, it has a mysterious repetitiveness near the end that erupts with alarm-like guitar and the sound of dramatic strings as the song roars to a close. So I think that's a cool song, and um, it's a perfect album closer. Well, thanks so much. I'm, I'm, that one's very personal to me, too, it being about my dad and my son, actually, um, and just that the whole handing of the torch. You know, I I will go as, as uh, I will go on with, with everything my, my dad has passed on to me, and I hope that I can make him proud. And in the same way, I only hope, you know, I, I know that my son will, will carry on. And his name's Phoenix, and that's kind of how I got the the crossfade idea. Um, just the, the story of the Phoenix and uh, how, it, how it keeps on keeps on going, <clears throat> the the rebirth and the death. So that's cool. I'm I'm super honored that a lot of people have really reacted with that song too, um, considering it is kind of more of a, a an experimental, almost progressive song. Right. But it does have a very gettable um, lyrical content, and it is very personal. Um, and I love that that song kind of you, you kind of hear more of a Led Zeppelin uh, almost type of influence there, even story like like the Beatles or the Eagles which is cool we don't really get to go there very often and it's awesome that people are enjoying it and, and grabbing onto those lyrics and sometimes even saying that they can't you know they had to pull their car over because they broke down because the song meant so much to them that's that's an honor I'm I'm stoked um, and <laughs> I'm blown away that because uh, I never thought it would catch people like that yeah i think it hit me too because me and my dad are really close i'm real close to my little brother he's only six so yeah i'm really close um, with my dad and my brother and i think that's why it got me that's awesome right away that's cool um so let's get in um to the grammy nominations that you guys had you had grammy nomination for best rock performance on go to war and also best rock album for the album the stories we tell ourselves so what was it what does it mean and kind of achievement is that to be considered for yeah nomination? yeah you know honestly it's that's something you dream of as a child when you're first learning your instrument i mean you know, like one day i'll be up there you know one day i can make it um and it's i don't i don't think any of us expected it we believe in our songs um and and we definitely have a have a big confidence <clears> in them and and how they can relate and connect with people um so it was a huge shock when we found out the news, and it wasn't just one, it was three nominations, um, which is incredible and quite a feat. Um, up there with the likes of Metallica and Foo Fighters, um, which is, yeah, the bands were influenced by, you know, heroes of ours. So that was, 
that was very amazing. You know, we got to go to the ceremony and super stressful. Everyone's dressed to the nine. You know, there's every yeah. TV and radio station you can imagine there right. on the red carpet. Um, ask any questions and you know, I'm going blank and yeah, because I'm so yeah, nervous. It has nervous. to be surreal. <laughs> it has to be surreal. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it, it's a great memory and again, a great honor. That's cool. So let's get into about your history here. So you play a lot of instruments. You've got piano, guitar, drums, ukulele, violin, and bass. <laughs> and then there might even be more, but um, uh, did you play any other instruments other than guitar on the record? Or did you just play guitar on the um, record? You know, uh, well, we all definitely have a trust in ourselves. And, you know, it's, yeah, I could, I could write, you know, some drum parts or bass parts and I actually I, I probably did but most of the time I it's like Dan's a very specific player um, our bass player and and Ben's a very specific player you know for Fade In Fade Out like I programmed a lot of those drums um, and there are things he took from that and then kind of made it his own so in, in our band we we have respect and trust and I, I want the other guys to yeah to not feel pressure or anything like that um so uh yeah i sang most of the harmonies on the record and but uh yeah in general yeah like right now i'm, I'm trying to work up some like we'll, we'll see if uh, some of these ukulele songs that i'm writing end up making the next record um as well as you know i i hope to probably get an eight string guitar here in a little yeah, while yeah and brutal. and kind of have the light in the dark, you right. know, and yeah, the ukulele is becoming real popular. You know, a, a lot of people are playing them now. Yeah, yeah, it's coming back. I mean, good old somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> so, growing up, you were in a touring choir that played all over the U.S. and Europe um, in the San Antonio Men's and Boys Choir, where you grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Um, what age did you enter that, and um, how has that experience helped you throughout your career and get you to where you are now? Yeah, no, thanks. Um, you know, I, I got a singing and acting job when I was eight at uh, Six Flags in San Antonio. And it was just for, like, the winter holidays over Christmas. Um, but, you know, we performed, I think, five nights a week. And I had a, a pretty big part. Um, so it was cool. And I think the success from that, um, you know, got the city's choir um, interested. And they reached out. I joined and that was really cool I I've always been in love with music and um, wanted to follow wherever it'll lead me um, so at, at the time you know I got to travel nationally and, and internationally uh, singing in uh, yeah the men and boys choir and that was really cool and I think that really helped start a lot of my uh, core uh, I guess musical uh, influence and elements and especially in voice and with melody and lyric writing. Um, and then uh, my balls dropped. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, there's there's always uh, some figuring out how your voice works again when that happens. Um, right. But, uh, I, yeah, and I, I just fell in love with guitar. I, I started, um, I had this terrible uh, electric guitar with a built-in amp. It, it sounded awful, but I was obsessed with it, and I learned as many you know Metallica songs and Nirvana songs Blink-182 uh, as I could um, 
and then met Johnny uh, like a year later. He asked me to be in the band. I said no. <laughs> I just wanted to play other people's songs. And then uh, probably a few months later, I gave him a call, and we had our first band practice, and kind of knew what I wanted to do. That was uh, an awesome experience. I, I was actually the singer then, and we sang two shows, and then uh, he and uh, the other guitar player at the time uh, told me that I should just focus on guitar and we should find a singer. <laughs> so uh, that, was, that was disheartening, but it was what needed to be done. Yeah, that's a sweet experience getting into a band and, you know, going from, you know, evolving into a band from the choir gig. That, that has to be cool, too. That had to be a great experience growing up. Yeah, yeah, it was weird, you know. I mean, it's not like choir boys get a lot of good attention. <laughs> but I, I'm grateful for it now. So your parents were both musicians, and they got you into music at a very young age, obviously, with the choir. Um, what have your uh, parents played? Yeah, my, my mom was uh, an excellent uh, viola player. Okay. Um, so she did that all through high school and, and excelled greatly. And then actually kind of that fell off, and she got real interested in painting and just started doing that. My dad was a... I don't see how, because his rhythm is so bad. But he, he, was, he was a percussionist, drummer. Sorry, Dad. Um, but uh, And, and uh, he played guitar as well, and he just he loved the Beatles and the Beach Boys, mainly being from San Francisco. Um, so that was, that was his vibe. And he, he tried to teach me when I was nine um, on acoustic, and I just wasn't having it. I learned a few Beach Boy songs and stuff like that, but it was just so hard. It just on acoustic, you know, it really hurts your fingers and yeah, harder strings. Yeah, when you're a kid, and it's like, well, this isn't fun. Right. So I don't have the patience. I'm not going to spend my time doing this. So I, I just enjoyed singing, and I, I didn't even try with guitar. And then, yeah, yeah, learning on electric later, it was so much easier. So I definitely encourage kids and everybody not to start on acoustic it's just work up to it i think went on to study music theory and composing and classic guitar in college for two years and um what have you learned in college that has brought you to this point and helped you progress in your writing and your thinking musically and thematically yeah yeah that's that's a great question um i'm so thankful and grateful for all the theory I'm a big music theory nut, I'm always to tr always trying to find patterns and and uh, formulas, if you will, for for things. Whether it be uh, you know time signatures or keys and ways to break the rules, and, and that's I think that's the most important part. I was nervous about learning a lot of theory at first because I didn't want anybody to tell me how my music should sound, you know. Because it's true, at the end of the day, if it sounds good, then it sounds good. It doesn't matter. But that's the whole point. When you learn the rules, then you learn that they can be broken. And they're meant to be broken. Um, because that, that, does, that same rule does apply. At the end of the day, if it sounds good, who gives a shit? Right. Yeah, and then it starts to separate you from everybody else out there. Yeah. So that's, that's a great thing. I like separation. I like people that think outside the box and write outside the box. 
Thanks, man. And getting into that, you have a very big fascination with sci-fi and dystopian style writings like Giver, The Matrix, and 1984. Mm-hmm. And those are pretty deep and... Uh, um, crazy writings there so I'm sure those helped you develop a little bit of music theory as well because of the uh, books you like to read and movies you like yeah yeah you know I think I mean all people we're all obsessed with stories and we're all obsessed with our, our character archetypes and I think in the same way like like the Beatles and the Eagles did you know we it's great to write stories and it makes you want to learn who's Eleanor Rigby you know or like I love Ben Folds and listening to, to him like who, who are Zach and Sarah are they real people who's Fred Jones he's worked at the paper for 25 years and, and then he just got laid off and nobody gave a shit and that's it's one of the saddest songs I've ever heard um and yeah it it makes you yeah the character development and that's cool that you can have such a strong reaction in a four minute song Mm -hmm. which is extremely hard to do you know movies are at least an hour and a half a lot of the times and books will take you hours and hours to read to let your imagination build um so i'm yeah i'm super stoked to write stories and, and get uh invested in our songs and our characters think it might be cool at some point to i don't know ha- have it you know songs that the where the story keeps going you know um i know metallica is you know unforgiven one two and three i know you know ben folds is fred jones part one and two um maybe even we kind of have a, a theme there with salem um you know, Salem's on the few not fleeting, and then Sex and Lies is kind of secretly Salem two, and Let Them Burn is kind of Salem three. They're all detached, even though they carry a lot of the same uh, similarities as far as something's burning, <laughs> and uh, there, there's some sort of deception, the lies that are that are happening, um, which is why we kind of tied them all together, as well as the the musical. Uh, scalar um, activity that's happening they're all in the same realm um, but I'm sorry I, I'm going on a rant here <laughs> that's alright that's alright that's what it's all about so I mean I, I like that though I mean you know pulling things from getting your inspiration from other people's writings and I mean that's what it's all about you know yeah taking stuff that you enjoy whether you listen to it read it and then turning it into something that you know can be listened to in music very true um, so right now you're on tour with uh, Five Finger Death Punch and Breaking Benjamin how are things going with the tour very well yeah, it's it's great this is uh, our first amphitheater tour for sure which is excellent to be exposed to so many new people that possibly haven't ever heard of us before um, it's uh it's cool too because we have done tours in the past with both of these bands um so you know first day on the tour it wasn't like um you know any any sort of ego or or any you know it's like you're you're on tour the whole time and it's like you've seen this guy's face but you still don't know his name so immediately we're already past all of that right so it makes things easy and nice yeah it's just more like hanging out exactly music yeah and then 
getting past the bullshit and actually asking somebody what's going on with your life right now where are you at and getting into the good stuff right so what about this scorpion tail stage mm-hmm. prop that you guys got that was uh, designed by Daniel Oliver your bass player yeah yeah you know um, Dan taught himself how to weld maybe five years ago or something I think or maybe six um, but he, he had worked with wood <laughs> a lot before as and we, we kind of had some interesting stage props and obviously wood kept breaking um, so I think he taught himself how to weld and it's like okay I'm gonna do all the stage creation um, with metal now um, it will last a whole lot longer um, and he's come a long way it's it's crazy to yeah just look at his uh, creations um, on stage and let them define our band and be a part of the whole aesthetic um, we've always been a band to care about our stage performance and do things a little differently um, yeah it's a good thing yeah rather yeah. than just coming out with a little bit of lights and playing you, you guys go above and beyond and give hey, 110 yeah. percent yeah exactly so you know Johnny came to rehearsal one day with this kind of video game looking MIDI controller um, almost like the Switch you see the mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch over there um, and uh, so he was pressing buttons and he ran it through the uh, ran guitar and bass through the computer through the software program and he was able to glitch out the guitar and he would like turn the controller sideways and it would do this big pitch bend and then like do a tremolo if he did it the other way so we like this is awesome we want to definitely do this live but this doesn't look cool at all you're playing video games <laughs> like and yeah. controlling what we're doing Great. so we need to exaggerate this and then dan's you know light bulb went off and he, he kind of went went off to the races and so he built this uh crazy addition that adds on to drumtron which houses johnny's front drum set which is basically like a kick and a snare um, in this in this metal concoction, and uh, so at the end of the set, it's attached to this nine foot um, lift that propels Johnny up about fifteen feet in the air uh, via airbags, um, and then the whole drum tron flips over. He pulls up the scorpion arm, and he's got the levers just like the video game controller, to where he'll move one lever, he'll pitch the guitar up, he'll move it, move the other one, he'll pitch it down. Then he's got a few buttons that will. Uh, yeah, tremolo or stutter the guitar and the bass. Um, so it's it's this kind of larger than life thing um, that we're stoked to do every night and kind of stand out in a good way, as well as hopefully challenge bands and artists to do something different. Right. Um, because we've all seen a lot of the same shit before, um, and it's important to spend time in that part of your artistry too. So yeah, that has to be uh, a cool thing with the stage props. Uh, like I said, I always like bands that go above and beyond and give 110%. Thanks, man. You're also playing shows in between as a headliner. Uh, so how are those going? Yeah, they're great. You know, um, we actually have uh, Bad Wolves, the, the opening band. Um, they're playing these, sh- these shows with us as well as uh, the band I Set to Kill. Um, and then they're great friends as well as... You know, our drummer uh, has been dating their, their singer Alexia for a long time. So, honestly, it's we're happy to do that because that means Ben gets to see his girlfriend more on the road, and they're a great band. Um, so that's fun. Um, there are a lot of these shows on this tour to where there are two days off. So a lot of the times we'll 
people say, oh, well, we should be working. Let's let's book a headline show that doesn't piss anybody off or any promoters or whatever. We can do it within a certain radius to where it doesn't affect any of the other shows. Right. Um, yeah, and, and we can uh, change it up, change up the pace, uh, play a longer set, um, and kind of make it our show. Core fans. You know, Bingo, yeah. So that's this nice. This show allows you to get some new fans, potentially, and then your you know, headliners are cool. You're right. So yep. that has to be sweet. Yes, sir. Um, is there any additional things that you would like to add before we wrap it up? Um, I know uh, this tour takes us to mid-September, and then we get a like a two-week break, and we come back. Um, I'm really excited for to do a self-help fest, get to play with Limp Bizkit, which is awesome, um, but as well as to... Um, give money to this charity um, and, and charities like anti-suicide awareness programs and mental health organizations because um, that's we have a lot of songs and things about the, those type of things so that's right in our wheelhouse and uh, after that we'll go to Europe with uh, Bullet for My Valentine and Of Mice and Men um, in October, November then we're off for a week and uh, go back out with Three Days Grace for Canada and northern Canada so we're we're pretty busy yeah. <laughs> out through the end of the year um, but it's uh, it's work season and uh, yeah I'm, I'm happy to keep spreading the tunes and um, have people connect and relate to the songs all right. all right well don't forget to follow the band nothing more and guitarist Mark Volalunga as they tour the US and Europe keep supporting rock music so it will continue to live throughout our veins each and every day Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Have a great show. Iron City Rocks, and so does Mark Volalunga. Cheers. Thank you. All right, that about wraps it up. We want to thank you for sticking with us. This is a long one tonight. We've got uh, nothing more. We want to thank Mark, also Shim of uh, Shim Music. Uh, Got his new album coming out in just a few weeks. And also want to thank Elias of Nonpoint, who will be in town on the 4th of September to do a show. So check all those out. You can find more information on any of these guys at ironcityrocks.com you go to the show notes we'll have links to all their websites uh, you can also find more about us at ironcityrocks.com go to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube or Twitter are all forward slash ironcityrocks also want to remind you we have a show coming up Iron City will be welcoming Iron City Rocks will be welcoming Guar to Mr. Smalls on the 14th of September so if you've never seen Guar before um, all the bombastic uh, insanity that is a Guar show. We invite you to check that out. Tickets available. You can find information on our website for that as well. So, until next time, we want to thank you so much for listening and take care. <laughs>